This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, uh, it's a it's a good day. We got some possible rain coming up. I, I was just looking at the weather app on my phone. It says there's like a, about a 32% chance of rain today. Really high 70-some percent chance tomorrow. And that's probably the remnants of that small little hurricane that died out in the Baja Peninsula. Of course, we also need to keep in mind uh, and keep in our prayers all those who are being affected by the large hurricane that hit Louisiana is making... It's way as a low-pressure system now all the way through the uh, uh, southeast uh, over there in, uh, in those states. And I know Tennessee, so, some of those areas in Tennessee, are already, were already struggling with massive rain. And now they're getting hit with this as well. A lot of struggles. we got fires in California, some here, lots of rain. Uh, you got the defund the police folks where the police are nervous about doing things and, and arresting and, and doing their job of enforcing the law. And then you got the things happening in Afghanistan and you got inflation. It, boy, it's just one thing after another. One thing after another. It's just, it baffles the mind. It creates a lot of stress. But I don't want to talk about that. I know you maybe you were expecting me to. I haven't for a while. It's just I want us to keep our minds, keep our hearts focused on the things of God. And so let's let's look at an old children's Bible story. I, and not there are no children's Bible stories when I say that. I mean it's those stories you learn as a child in Sunday school. And one of the first stories we learn, of course, you know, it's, it is the creation, the, the six days of creation. But one of the other ones is the story about Cain and Abel. We all seem to know that story, right? That's, uh, but Cain, he gets more press from Scripture than Abel does. Cain is mentioned in 18 verses, but poor Abel, he only gets 11 verses, like one-third the attention. But all the press that Cain gets, it's not good, is it? Oops, hit my phone microphone there. It's not good. He doesn't get good press. He gets bad press. That's because he's a bad man. He's an angry man. He's a murderer. God even tells us in the New Testament, 1 John 3, 12, don't be like Cain, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain's actions were evil. And in 1 John, we're told that his evil actions led him to murder his brother. That's interesting. In other words, Cain's evil actions didn't start with murdering his brother, did they? His actions, his evil actions, came before the murder. Let me read that again to you. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, his actions. That's why he slew. Not that 
Not Abel's deeds. Cain's deeds were evil. That's why he killed him, murdered him. It led him to do that. Now, some believe that Cain knew that he had to offer an animal sacrifice because Cain refused to obey God in giving an animal sacrifice. That's what made his actions evil. Well, there's a problem with that because we don't see that in the story of Genesis chapter 4. Let me read to you verses 2 through 5 where it says, Again, she, this is Eve, gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Genesis 4, 2 through 5. Do you read or did you hear anything in there about God asking for an animal sacrifice? No. In fact, Abel is a keeper of sheep. So he brings sheep. Cain is a worker, a tiller of the ground. So he brings crops. Each of them brings what they've raised to give to God. So, if each of them brought what they've raised as a sacrifice, why would God accept Abel's gift and reject Cain's? Well, I honestly don't know. But, but, if the problem is not with the gift, and I don't think it is, it's got to be with the giver. You know, down through Israel's history, God repeatedly rejected sacrifices from the Israelites because there was something wrong with the giver and not because of the gift itself. I want to read to you a couple of passages from... Oh, hang on a second. Let me get this fly. We always have flies. After all this rain, there's just flies everywhere. Well, in Isaiah chapter 1, there's there's a couple of passages here. I want to start with verse 11 from Isaiah 1. God says... What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. Verse 13. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. Are you really? Didn't God command that they give offerings? And doesn't he want them to assemble together? Now he's telling them to stop. Stop. Verses 15 and 17 of Isaiah 1. So when you spread out your hands in prayer... I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. The problem for Israel was not the gifts. They were Doing the law. That's what God told them to do. But that wasn't the problem. The problem was them. It was with the giver. God was telling them, clean yourself up. 
then bring the offering. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5? Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. The problem wasn't the gift. The problem was the giver. Now, the Bible doesn't say what was wrong with Cain, uh, but we do have a hint of what was wrong with him, right? The Lord says to him in Genesis 4, 6, and 7, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain's sacrifice was rejected, at least in part, because of a heart condition. Cain's heart was not right before God. And so we're told that God had no regard for Cain and his offering, but for Abel, God had regard for him and his offering. Why? He was right. His heart was right before God. So what was it that made Abel's heart right before God? That's where Hebrews chapter 11 comes in. The the hall of faith, right? We all know about Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Verse 2, um, it says this, For by it, uh, it was faith in God, for by it in the men, uh, excuse me, for by it the men of old gained approval. That's faith, because Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about faith. And by faith, by that, the men of old gained approval. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Hebrews 11 is that, again, that's the hall of faith. And the whole chapter is dedicated to showing people whom God commended for their faith. And the first man listed here is able. It's going through chronological order. But think about this for a moment. If Abel, let's say, let's say Abel's sacrifice had been rejected by God. Let's say it was. What do you think Abel would have done? I think he would have tried harder the next time. In fact, that's what God tried to get Cain to do, isn't it? Back over in Genesis 4, verse 7, God tells uh, Cain, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? In other words, Cain, try again. Don't give up. By contrast, Abel's objective was to be pleasing to God, don't you think? And that's what his faith was all about, pleasing God. Faith was the real difference between Cain and Abel. Cain's sacrifice was all about him, not about faith in God. Cain's sacrifice wasn't a sacrifice of faith because God was not the object. Cain was. And so when his offering was rejected, Cain got angry, didn't he? It's almost as if he said, how dare God reject my offering? That's what it seemed like. I don't think Abel would have responded like that if his offering had failed. Abel was a man driven by faith in God, by a desire to please God no matter what it cost. And that's what we should be like. Our faith 
should drive us to try to please God, no matter the cost. Real worship is thirsty, is a thirsty land crying out for, for rain. That's what somebody once said. So, in other words, it's focused on God. It's focused on pleasing him. Now, there's another thing about Abel. Did Abel do much? Think about it. What did Abel do? Now, Noah, he built an ark. Saved God's creation from the flood because of God's help. But Mo and Moses, he went down into Egypt, led God's people out of captivity. Joshua led Israel into the promised land and conquered the mighty city of Jericho and all the land. David faced Goliath, built a mighty kingdom for God. Great men of faith, yeah? Doing great, mighty deeds of faith, yeah. But what does Abel do? Well, Abel makes an offering. And if you think about it, not a big deal. He didn't build a nation. He didn't kill a giant, didn't, didn't bring down some wall. He makes an offering. And then he gets into the hall of faith. And he's the headliner. When Hebrews 11 tells us of the great men and women of faith, God mentions Abel. Why? Well, God... And the world have two different ways of judging greatness, don't they? The world judges greatness by their deeds, by people's deeds. The world believes that how great a person is depends on how much they've accomplished. If you don't get much done, you're not worth much. But God doesn't judge greatness that way, does he? He does not. God judges our greatness by the size of our faith, not by the size of our accomplishments. And I think that's why Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Why do you think God wasn't pleased with the sacrifice of Cain? Are you seeing it now? you see it? Well, let's look at a few things of that Hebrew passage I just read. There's two things. Number one, without faith, you can't please God. And number two, faith means that you not only believe that God exists, but that you believe God rewards those who seek him. And they seek him because they believe he is a rewarder. Jesus said something similar, again, back in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's faith. Faith is when you seek God because you know he appreciates that. You don't have to do something great. You don't have to do mighty deeds or accomplish great things. You just have to seek to please him. Now granted, if you seek God, you'll do all you can. You'll try to do great things for a great God. But most of the time, we don't do great things, do we? We try. Once in a while, we might hit the ball. But most of the time, we, we swing and we miss. It's like going to a Little League baseball game. And I've been to those. My kids have been in Little League. And, uh, you know, the young at that young age, they're, they're still trying to figure it out. And it's not about... You know, winning, and I know I'm not a, I'm not for the whole everyone gets a a trophy thing, but in the little league you get a trophy 
because you're, you're trying. The goal is to help them learn the game, the rules, and have fun and enjoy it. So you're there, and your little one, he steps up to the bat, often looking ridiculous, holding the bat wrong, not standing right, not, you know, it's just, they're just, they're, they're trying, they're trying. You expect that because they're so young. The main audience that's at a Little League game are the parents. So they're going to cheer no matter what. But once in a while, a boy will step up the bat. He will stand right. He'll hold the bat right. He gives it all he's got. He will swing and he will miss. And you know what the parents do? They shout, great swing, buddy, little Johnny. Because it doesn't matter to the parents whether he actually hit the ball. The point was that he tried. And he tried with all his might. That is what God is looking for. Someone who will swing for the fences even when they miss because they give it all they had. But it's not about the number of your deeds or the greatness of your accomplishments that God is looking at. Instead, it's the why you did what you did. Did you do what you did because you love God? That's what God's looking for. That's why Abel is in the hall of faith. Think about it like this. Jesus took his disciples to the temple and watched as people put their offering into the offering box. You know, if you think about that, that's a little awkward, isn't it? A little weird. Could you imagine somebody doing that if you're at the, the, the worship service and, and everyone has to come up and put the, the money in the plate? And imagine the preacher standing off the side just watching. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, look at that. How, how, how awkward <laughs> that would be. Well, Jesus is doing that. He's watching people, putting money in the offering offering box. Mark 12, verses 41 to 44, it says this. <clears throat> and he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of excuse me, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. It wasn't the size of her offering that impressed Jesus. It was the size of her faith wasn't it? Such her faith and her love for God. That's what God was trying to get us to see when he put Abel there in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. It was the size of his faith, not his accomplishments, that God wanted us to focus on. So we focused on Cain and Abel. But what about the sacrifice uh, The sacrifice there in Genesis 4, 4? The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Verse, uh, Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Or a more literal translation is that Abel offered a much more sacrifice. Interesting. 
there's something about Abel's offering that God wanted us to see. Hebrews 11.4 again. Through Abel's faith, uh, uh, though he died, he still speaks. So through Abel's faith, though he died, he still speaks. Still speaks. So what was it that Abel said in his sacrifice God wanted us to hear? Well, what God wanted us to hear was this, I think, that Jesus was Abel's sacrifice. Uh, you may be thinking, oh, Chris, come on. No. I, I don't mean to say that Jesus had to die twice or that he was there. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Abel's sacrifice pointed ahead to who Jesus was and what he did on the cross. Because what did Abel sacrifice? A lamb, right? Remember what John the baptizer said when he saw Jesus? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Abel raised sheep. So his family could be clothed for with its skin. Now that's did you did you ever think about that? You know, Abel raised sheep. Humans were vegetarians until the flood. It wasn't until after the flood that God told them you can eat meat. Before that, it was vegetables only. But he raised sheep, and it wasn't for meat. Maybe it was for the milk and for the clothing, right? He provided sheep's clothing. The New Testament teaches us that Jesus' righteousness covers our sins. Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When we stand before the throne of God, we will not be dressed in our personal righteousness because Isaiah 64 tells us all our righteousness are as filthy rags. That's true. Who wants to stand before God in filthy rags? When we can stand before him wearing the righteousness of Christ. Because we put on Christ. You're going to have to ask a question. How do you do that? How do you put on Christ? Abel sacrificed the lamb. He killed the lamb. It had to die in order to be offered to God. Jesus came to die. He came to be our sacrifice for sin. 1 Peter 2.24 Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his, Christ's wounds, we have, you have been healed. And again, Abel sacrificed the firstborn of his flock. Colossians 1.18 Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. He was the first to be raised from the grave, to live forever. Why is that important? Well, Jesus rose from the dead. We know we can rise too. That's what baptism is teaching us. We were buried with him, and then we were were raised with him. And God adds us to the church, to his son. We imitate the first one to rise uh, to immortality, and it's by his resurrection that we have the promise of resurrection. Romans 6, 3-5, or do you not know? That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You cannot tell me after reading that passage... That baptism is not a necessity for salvation. It's not that you're working. It's not a work. It's obedience. God is looking for that kind of obedient 
faith. That was the difference between Cain and Abel. Cain did it for self. Abel did it for God. They both did an action. They did a work. But it wasn't the action. It wasn't the work that God was looking for. It was the heart. Why did you do it? Well, I'm going to put off a baptism. It's not necessary. Maybe later on next year I'll do that in front of everybody with about 50 other folks because it'll, it'll look better. Why are you doing it that way? Well, so other people can see it, Chris. Or because, uh, so family can be there, Chris. Or, well, I'm a little embarrassed about doing that for Chris. Oh, so it's about yourself, is it? Then it's not about God. Do you think he's going to accept that sacrifice? Think about it. Think about it. Are you Cain or are you Abel? Abel did it to please God. Cain did it to please self. Who are you? If you want to please God, you need to put Christ on in baptism. You need to have an obedient faith. Well, I don't want to earn my salvation. You won't. Trust me. You won't. God's not looking at at it that way like the world does. He's looking at your heart. Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? That's the question. You do not have to be perfect to put on Christ. Okay? You do not need to do great deeds to put on Christ. All God is asking is that you and I try. Try. Just a cup of cold water. That's easy. You can do it. Some some uh, do real well. Some do not. I encourage you to take a look at Matthew chapter 20 about that parable Jesus gives about the landowner who hires in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and at the last hour to work in the field. And he, at the end, everyone gets paid the same thing. And I'm running out of time. i got to close this out. But think about that. Would you think that would work in the world to pay people the same amount for doing all day's work to an hour's work? That's the way God works because it's not about the deeds. It's about the heart. Did you try? Thank you for being here. Think about these things as we all strive to do the right thing with the time the Lord has given us. Sending up to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.